You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. We're going to pray right now. Hallelujah. Let's just be in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, Resurrection Sunday. Father, we pray that if there's anyone that walked in through the doors today and is seated in the sanctuary that has never put their faith and trust in your son as the first fruit, as the sacrifice for their sins, we pray that more than anything, that they would receive him as Lord and Savior today. If anyone came in there depressed, lonely, in a relationship that, that's not working or a marriage that's just hanging on, we pray you would pour out your love into their hearts, bring healing to that. Father, if anyone came in here sick in their body, that they would see that Jesus died on the cross for their healing, and he rose again for them to rise again from the sickness. Father, if anyone's facing financial difficulty, that they would leave with the faith to command that mountain to move. Father, speak to your people through me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians 15, 20 says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. You know, it used to be in church, you know, when you say, he is risen, everybody would go, he is risen indeed. All right, let's try that. He is risen. Let me tell you something, that's the only time in your life you're going to use the word indeed, okay? So, I remember when I first got saved, I went to church, and they were, he has risen indeed. I'm like, Who, whoever says that word? Like, I'll never say that word again. Now I just go, he's risen! Yeah! Forever he is glorified. He is risen. But 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I'm going to share quickly three things that the first fruits means to us. Jesus' resurrection and the first fruits. Because the first one is redemption, and there can be no first fruits without a Passover. There can be no first fruits without a Passover. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, it was Friday, and then he stayed in the tomb from Friday, Saturday, and he was raised on Sunday. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just like the Passover lamb that was slain by the Jews starting when they came out of Egypt and they did it and they've been doing, uh, they stopped when the temple shut down. There's no more slaughtering of, of lambs, but we still eat the Passover. That's what I taught about on Friday. So it, said, it went on to say in Leviticus that the day after the Sabbath of the Passover, which just happens to be the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead, the high priest would go out on that day and get the first fruits, the first fruits. And we're going to talk about what that means. But without a Passover, there was never a first fruits offering. It was instituted after the Passover, after the Israelites killed the lamb, took the blood, put it on their doorposts so that when the angel of death came over them, it passed over them. How many of you want to be passed over by the angel of death? <laughs> just wanted to be a, just fly over me. <laughs> In John chapter 20, verse 17, after Jesus rose from the dead and some of the women found him, one of them got to, uh, three of them actually, he talked to three of them and he said to one of them, do not touch me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go tell my brothers and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, 
to my God and your God. What do you have to go to heaven for? Why do you have to ascend to the Father? Well, you know, the Passover, when the lamb was killed, it wasn't done then. It wasn't. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was meaning he was finished. There was still more to do. Amen? There was something called rising from the grave still to be done. But what happened is when, the, when they would kill the Passover lamb, what did they do? They had to apply the blood. So that when the angel of death came over, then it would pass over. Same thing with Jesus. In Hebrews 9.11, it says, he is the high priest of good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation. And in Hebrews chapter 8, it says, everything about the tabernacle on earth that the Israelites worshipped and, and, and the high priest performed all their duties in is an image of what's going on in heaven. Okay? So, it says that he, the greater, more perfect high priest, went to a temple in heaven, which is not of this creation, and he didn't take the blood of goats and calves, but he took his own blood, and he entered the most holy place once and for all. See, now, when the high priest would go into the holy of holies to offer the blood for the people, he would go, and there would be the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? You know, you, you saw the Ark of the Covenant. It's... It looks like a seat. It's the mercy seat with two angels looking over it. And then there's a cover. And inside that cover is the rod, the manna, and the broken law. It all represents our sin. It represents us breaking the law. And God's angels that he has there, it shows him seeing that we are in sin. But once a year, the high priest would go in there and cover it with blood. Not Jesus' blood, but just blood. And the one thing about blood is you can't see through it. But it's just a spiritual analogy of what's going on. Covered in the blood. You've heard that, right? Covered in the blood. Plead the blood. Ever been in a church where they talk about the blood a lot? That's a good church. Because without the blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sins. So, just killing the animal wasn't enough. The blood had to be applied. Now, so Jesus says, don't touch me. Why? He's got to go to heaven, to the holy place, and apply his perfect blood on the mercy seat for the forgiveness of sins. And if she touched him, he would become unclean. But he did allow somebody to touch him a week later, didn't he? Thomas, because Thomas doubted, and Jesus said, touch my hands, touch my side. Because it was over. Did what he had to do. He went and he poured the blood. Exodus 12, 12. For I'll pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant, they put the blood there so the angels wouldn't see the sin. Look what happens here. Verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. When I what? When I see the blood. Everybody say, when I see the blood. God has to see it. It's got to be applied. So Jesus had to apply that blood. And it wasn't just any blood, everybody. It was the 
perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Look around for a second. I want to tell you something. You're related to everybody here. Look around. Well, I know you are. That's your whole family over there. It's that person over there and that person over there and that person over there. By the way, one day we'll all have white suits on with palm branches in our hands in heaven worshiping the Lord. Amen? Now, if you happen to go to a church where they're all dressed in white and they got palm branches in their hand, maybe you shouldn't think it's a cult. Now, I would. Imagine that. You know, when we were smaller, when the church was like 40 or 50 people, my wife was like, let's have an all-white Sunday. Let's have an all-white Sunday. So everybody dressed in white. Imagine being a visitor. And, and it was Palm Sunday. And you come in, and there's a bunch of people dressed in white, waving a green palm. Ooh, baby. Imagine I was a pastor and I had sunglasses on. Really bad. Run. <laughs> but God's, that one day we will be dressed in white. Here's the funny thing about the blood of Jesus. Our redness will be turned white by being washed in his blood. Isn't that amazing? Our redness will turn to white because it's washed in his blood. Wow. So red cancels out red and it becomes white. But God wants to see, he wants to see the blood applied to your life, to your heart. Because then that's all he sees, because life is in the blood. That's what it says in the word of God. Life is in the blood. Now, check this out. So Jesus dies on the cross, then they put him in the tomb. During the Sabbath, he's laying in the tomb. Now, if you were here on Friday, I taught about the manna. See, in the Old Testament, it says, that my Holy One, Jesus, will not see decay when he dies. He will not see decay. His body will not see decay. Remember Lazarus was in the tomb four days? They opened the tomb and was like, wow, get the perfume. Now Jesus said, I'm like the manna. You know, when the Israelites were in the desert and they needed something to eat, they asked God, and Moses said, we need something to eat. So God dropped down this, like, these graham crackers that tasted like honey or something like that. And they ate it, and they go, what is this? And in Hebrew, what is this is the word manna. Jews are so simple. I'm half Jewish, so don't think I'm. But it was just like, what is this? I think they went, oi, hey, what is this? Manna. And the thing about this manna is you could only get it in the morning of the day that it dropped. And by the end of the day, you had to eat it all or get rid of it, because if you didn't, it turned into maggots. But here's the interesting thing. So how are they going to eat on Saturday? Because Saturday's the Sabbath. Well, guess what? The manna stayed fresh during the Sabbath. It was the one day. It didn't turn into, it didn't decay. Jesus said, I'm the manna. And he was in the tomb on the Sabbath, and he did not decay. And then when it was time, he took his own blood, went into heaven, and poured his own perfect blood on the mercy seat. Because when it, the perfect blood, it wasn't a bull, it wasn't a goat, it wasn't a lamb, it was his blood. And that's a blood that doesn't die. 
That's a blood that gives life. We overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb. Well, if the blood's gone, how are we going to overcome? This is just my theory or my thought. So they take Jesus down from the cross. They don't break any of his bones. They put him in the tomb. Did he bleed out? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But you know, you know what they do to keep a body from decaying? They put a fluid in the blood. Right, my nurses and my, is there any petitions here? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> they put the fluid in the blood because it's when the blood leaves, that's what causes the decay. It's very possible that there was still blood in his body when he was in the tomb. He was dead. His body was dead. But his blood is perfect and precious. It's not like ours. Remember, we're all related by blood. You know why? Because we all have the same Jewish father. His name is Adam. He made a little mistake. <laughs> he listened to his wife. <laughs> now, I'm not saying not to listen to your wife. Because many times her voice and God's voice sound very similar. I'm just going to leave it right there. Am I okay? <laughs> just got to check. Am I all right? <laughs> so we know, and, and we know by science, that the blood is determined by the Father. That's just a scientific fact. The blood is determined by the seed that comes into the egg. When a baby is in a mother's womb, the blood does not mingle. So the blood comes from the Father. Every one of us here has an earthly father. Unless somebody here is Jesus. The only person that ever lived that didn't have an earthly father is Jesus. His father was the Holy Spirit. His father was God. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and she had what was called an immaculate conception. Amen? I got six kids. Sometimes I think a few of them are immaculate conceptions. I was like, Leisha, how the heck are you pregnant? If that kid comes out looking like the milkman, we got a problem here. How many of you, you know, like your wife just got so, like how many of you have a lot of kids? And sometimes you wonder, where'd they come from? Like, I, did I really do something? Anyway. I'm getting way off here. <laughs> the perfect blood of the Father was in Jesus' body. His blood was God's blood. His blood was perfect blood. Life is in the blood. Did Jesus ever sin? But he had a body. How many of you does your body lead you to sin every once in a while? How many of you need to get rid of some of your body because it's sinning? I'm talking about, because it's like when you, when you get gluttonous, what happens? You add more body. And then you have more body that's crying out, feed me more. And all different sins that our bodies cause us to do. So Jesus had a body of a person, but in him he had the life of God. He had the perfect blood because life is in the blood. And he bought that perfect blood. Put it on the mercy seat. Then it was all done. It was all finished. The sin, remember what John said? He said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's nobody that Jesus hasn't taken the sin away from that will, 
Everyone has the ability to put their faith and trust and take a hold of what Jesus has done. It's for everybody, but not everybody takes it. Not everybody receives it. But I will tell you this, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I suggest if you don't receive him, I, I say to you, listen, you might as well do it today because you're going to do it someday. Because every one of us here is going to die at some point unless Jesus comes back beforehand. And every one of us will face him. And then the question will be, why didn't you receive the sacrifice? I did it for you. I counted you worth it. A beautiful exchange, as Pastor Kev reminded me in between the services today. Because I always say, I'm not worth it, but if Jesus says I'm worth it, I'm worth it. If God says I'm worth it, I'm worth it. He chose to give his son. He did it. Has nothing to do with me. I mean, I might think, that's not, really? You're going to do that for me? Yeah, I'm going to do it for you. And when you get that, you can walk in victory in your life, let me tell you. So he said, tell the Israelites, this is for the first fruits, after the blood is applied, so after Jesus died on the cross, brought his blood in, then you can have first fruits. You have to have a Passover first. He said, tell the Israelites, when you come into the land I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the, bring the sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord that you may be accepted. How many of you want to be accepted by God? Do you know he's done everything? The word accepted, the Hebrew word is rat sound, which means favored, accepted, welcomed. On the next day after the Sabbath, the Lord of the Lord, he shall wave it. Do you know how the priest waved the sheep? Like this, all the points of the compass, north, south, east, west, north, south, east, west, north. South, east, west. Is anybody getting it? Wow! North, south, east, west. Four points of the compass. The first fruit is a sign that you are redeemed, accepted, favored. Amen? You know, when they went and found Jesus, that he had risen again, he did something. He spoke and told one of the angels to tell the ladies to go run, tell the guys this. Tell everybody and Peter that I have risen. Remember Peter, Jesus' right-hand man? The last time Peter and Jesus interacted was before Jesus was arrested. Peter denied him how many times? Three times. So here... Peter's feeling bad. Then he sees Jesus on the cross. I denied him before he died. How many of you have had someone close to you die? I wanted to see my friend Nick, and, and we weren't able to. It just didn't work out the last minute. And I just wanted to see him once before he died, just to thank him for all the really great things he did for me. And now we're left to go on Facebook and post pictures and remember him. But I wanted to go. I wanted to see him. I wanted to say, thank you, Nicky, for all that you did for me. And I want to make sure he knew Jesus. But the point being is when someone dies, how many of you had somebody die and, and you, didn't, you didn't get a chance to tell them what you wanted to tell them? You wanted to forgive them. Or maybe you were even holding on to it. Let it go. Let it go. Because Jesus, through the angels, said, go tell everybody, but tell Peter. 
that I'm risen. Tell him that he doesn't have to feel that way anymore. Tell him that it didn't kill me, that I rose again. Tell him! And today, God wants to tell you, by your name, Alicia, by your name, Susan, by your name, Grace, by your name, John, by your name, Rick, that, don't worry, you made mistakes, but I have risen, and you will rise as well. I poured the blood on the mercy seat. It's all right! You're covered! You're covered! Because the second thing that this represents is new life. New life, first fruits, a new season, a new chance for harvest. You meet a new guy or a new girl that maybe you're going to marry, single people. You know, sometimes we forget the singles. How many of you are single right here? Raise your hand. Amen. Keep it up so everybody can look around. Keep your hand high. <laughs> hey, I saw some people up here didn't raise their hand. Pastor Kevin will not let his daughter raise her hand when I say that. <laughs> She's 60. <laughs> you know, down south, they get married early. Anyway, <laughs> he, he, how many of you are going to have a hard time letting go of your kids? My hand's not up. Well, get, get married. Go! Already. I can't wait to have a darn wedding. I'm getting sick and tired of this. I want some grandkids before I'm 70. You hear that? Except for you, Nikki. You ain't allowed to date nobody. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to go. You're here. Some young man called my house recently. <laughs> hey, at least he had the nerve to do it. I knew what was coming. What you want, little man? <laughs> what you want, little boy? Did you read my book? I got friends, man. What do you want? You see my pinky ring through this phone, boy? Oh, yeah, this young men in the church that have come to me. I know when they're coming. You know, when, how many of you guys have had that? Somebody's come to you. And raise them hands high. Oh, there we go. They actually got her. Yeah, she got married. Well, you could just see them coming. They're scared. Scared, scared, scared. And you know, I like, I like that they're scared. I make them more scared. Come here, boy. What do you want? It's just terrible, is it? Pastor Kevin goes a step further. He calls other guys over the house. He's never letting his daughter go. Me? Well, I'm not going to say it, but I got four daughters. Who wants to marry a young lady? You got to get through me, baby. It's going to be fun. I, I, I'm, I love it. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Anyway, I told him No. But I could have sworn you were talking on the phone to him. I <laughs> it represents new life. New life. Romans 5.17, for because of one man's lapse, trespass, death reigned through one, how much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace? 
That word receive there is more than just sitting back. Oh, pour your grace out on me. The kingdom of God suffers violence. The violent take it by force. If you're going to get violent about somebody, and, and you know, some of us here can be violent, not me, but you know, <laughs> you get violent about something. I'm talking about in sports, whatever. You're just aggressive. Anybody here like that? Come on, make me feel better, please. <laughs> like, your whole life, nobody ever handed you anything, so you go out, you got to go out and get it. Anybody here? Or did you wake up, uh, grow, you were born, you had a silver spoon in your little mouth? <laughs> Whatever that means. People that are born with a silver spoon. No, when they, born, when they were born, I had nothing. Now they got a fake silver spoon in their mouth. <laughs> Receive, that's the Greek word lumbano. I could swear it's an Italian word, but it really is a Greek word. Lumbano, it means to take hold of. Take hold of overflowing grace unmerited favor, the free gift of righteousness. A gift isn't a gift until you receive it. Amen. Right. My wife, she's got the love language gift. Anybody here? Would you, you people, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Leah, I know, yes. I know. You got that gift, love language, right? And you and my wife, just every week, you're passing each other gifts. For what? <laughs> I mean, but that, that's how they do it. But it isn't a gift till the other person takes it, right? It's not a gift. And she'll have all these gifts in there and be like, who's it for? Because I could care less about these gifts. Just give me cash. Huh? <laughs> cash I'll take. Amen. I, I need to rip stuff open and you know. So, you know, as you get older, they can never buy you anything, right? Just bring me cash. How about the money you owe me? Jeez. Oh, my kids are here. I'm going to pick on them. But take it. Take it. Putting you in the right standing so you can what? So you can reign. Hey, Christians, can we start reigning? Crying about everything. Reign! Shake that hat and reign, would you? Reign as kings in life. Your life doesn't start in a sweet by and by. Your eternal life starts the day you put Jesus in your heart, the day you accepted his sacrifice. That's when you started living, and that's when you started reigning. So start out. Stop acting like a peasant. You're not a peasant. You are a king, and you're my queen. Through the one man, Jesus Christ the Messiah, a new life that is not animated by your flesh anymore. It's animated by the Spirit, the new life that was purchased by the perfect blood. I could swear that your blood changes when you get saved. That a new life comes into you. And once that life becomes who you are, once you are filled with that life, nothing can kill you. The worst thing that could happen to you is you could die and go to heaven. The worst thing. And how many people that go through near-death experiences come back and say, maybe I shouldn't have came back? Like, like eternity, my family. Eternity, my family. Eternity! But <laughs> I'm not talking about you guys. It's the other family somewhere. But think about it. People talked about that, like the light that they, and, and one day you will be so happy when you pass on because you don't pass down, you pass up. 
To live as Christ, to die is even better. It's a new life animated by the Spirit. You know another thing about the first fruits? It's when the countdown to Pentecost starts. That's when the countdown starts, when they wave this. Because a big harvest is coming in because of the Holy Spirit. 50 days from that. Jesus wasn't the first one raised from the dead. Remember Lazarus? And some other, there's somebody, Elijah made, but... Point being, he's the first one that was raised with the Holy Spirit, totally changed. And guess what? We become more and more like him. We're like him now. He died and rose again, so when we die, we'll rise again. And we have that new life in us, and it's a life eternal. Amen. And it's no coincidence. The Lord was showing me this about... On Friday, right, when we did the Passover, right, the first thing that happens is the woman of the house comes and she lights the candle. That's the first thing. We did Christ revealed in the Passover. And what is that light? Jesus is the light of the world. The woman lights the light because Jesus came through a woman. Nobody understands new life better than a woman. Any guys here ever been pregnant? And if you raise your hand, there's something else I need to talk to you about. Um, but we'll, we'll never experience that. The closest we'll come is kidney stones, okay? Which I'm thinking gotta be. Is there any woman here that had kidney stones and was pregnant? What was worse? Told you! Kidney stones was worse. I had them twice. been in labor twice. I don't want to hear nothing from you. Because first of all, you, you would be like in labor and then we'd have two babies come out and stuff. It didn't even take any time. It was a bam. You should have. <laughs> you should feel. But women, so then who were the first to see Jesus alive? Women, that was God's plan. Because they understand life. Listen, I said to my wife, because I don't understand this, ladies. I don't get why you like flowers. I don't understand it. It makes no investment sense to me. Very logical. Why spend $40 on something that's going to be dead in a day or two? Why not buy some fake flowers that last like for a year? It makes no sense. I, I have such a hard time buying flowers. You want how much? I mean, I can go to the, just pick that out of the ground. You want $50 for that thing? But I have to do it because she likes it. Why? So I said to her, why? You know what the first thing she said was? They're alive. Women have that sense. And that's why God revealed his risen son, the new life, to them first. Now, I do have a theory about when they went to tell the disciples. Like, because I'm sure the women just didn't come to the disciples and say, hey, Jesus is alive. No, that's not what Mary did. No way. Peter, John, guess what, guys? I got up this morning at 535. <laughs> I had my usual cup of coffee. I was waiting for Mary. When is she going to get the spices? When are we going to get over there? So then we walked out. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. 
We were on our way to the tomb. I felt really sad because it was Jesus, but we wanted to anoint his body. Get to the point, Mary! <laughs> Could you see it? Because it says in the word that to the, to, to the disciples, it says that when the women told them, it seemed like all kinds of fairy tales. I was laughing my head off. Because sometimes when I come home, she talks to me, it sounds like a fairy tale. This one texts me and that one texts me. I had my coffee. It wasn't warm enough. I warmed it up in the microwave. and then it was another. Could you just tell me what the heck happened? And you know what happens when I do that? She says, no, I'm not telling you. And then I'm, I... Can I get an amen? The ladies are standing up for you. And then all day I'm thinking, what happened? What is she telling me? She makes me so mad. Why is she like flowers? They're too darn expensive. Gosh. <laughs> Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That word newness is a Greek word that means fresh. There's nothing worse than a crusty old Christian. And it doesn't mean you're old. Okay, you could be 18 to be a crusty Christian. It's like the stone is still in front of the tomb. And every time somebody opens it up a little bit, they're like, oh, really? I don't want, my wife will always say, I don't want that Jesus. Because Jesus would tell you to rejoice like he did. He told them to rejoice because something great happened. See, we're to be excited because Jesus is alive. He is risen. We're to walk in this newness of life. See, he was the first fruit of many to come. You know, my friend that died, I just was thinking about this the other day. When I first got saved, I went to Wall Street. I got a job. I was in the basement of a bank making nothing, pretty much a dead-end job. But I had just given my heart to the Lord, and, and, and I was just going to be faithful. Walk in this newness of life. This newness of life included a job, okay? <laughs> okay? If, if you need money, try working, all right? Okay, so I got a job. <laughs> I know it's a foreign concept to some of us, but um, so I worked, <laughs> and basically in a dead-end situation, but my friend Nikki, who helped me to play sports and keep me off the streets just enough so I was alive, and my brother too, he knows that's true, he had a job on the trading floor. He was working in the pit. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he calls me up and says, hey, you want a job in the pit? And I'm thinking, I'll take anything. <laughs> but I knew that the pit, or to work in that situation, they were going to look less at your background, less at your education, and more on what you can do on the fly. And I'm, I'm quick. <laughs> I can maneuver. I can, I can play the game, you know? Because when you grow up in the streets, that's what you learn. So here I, I got into the pit, and I maneuvered, and I worked my way with the Lord. But if it wasn't for Nikki breaking that wall down for me, I would have never been able to. He made the entrance. He broke the ceiling. He got into the trading floor, and then I was able to come in, starting a new chapter of my life. 
You know, Jesus has made a way for you. We're to follow him. He has made a, a, a new way where we can be with God, where we can walk with God, where we have God's favor, even though we don't deserve it, but he's decided we're worth it. Amen, Pastor Kim? We are worth it. We are worth it. And finally, this is a symbol of more harvest to come. That's why they waved it. They were like, Lord, this is just the beginning. Don't despise a small beginning because a big harvest is on its way. How many of you know that some things start out small, but God can multiply them in your life? I have some young men and women, and my wife and I are mentoring these young men and women. They're, they're starting churches. And I will say to you, your first fruit, your first fruit is just the beginning. Because God's going to bring a harvest that you can't contain. Because that's what he does. So don't despise the small beginning. Because before you know it, there'll be a harvest. Look around. This is what God does. It doesn't matter where you start. It's where you finish. Doesn't matter where you start. It's where you finish. Doesn't matter where you start. It's where you finish. Romans 8.28 says this. We know all things work together for the good for those who love God. The final point I want to make to you is redemption, there's new life, and there's a purpose. See, he didn't do all that for nothing. So you could just be, okay, I'm saved now. I'm done. No, you're just, you're a first fruits. You're just getting started. You're called according to a purpose for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. How many of you is Jesus your brother? Your brother made a way for you. Your brother made a way for you. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called, and whom he called, he justified just if I hadn't sinned, and he also glorified. See, when we were singing forever he is glorified, the Lord was saying, forever you are glorified. Amen. And that's not blasphemous. That's just the truth. Because we are as he is. He's the firstborn with the fruit coming in. You're an apple. You're an orange. You're a pear. You're a tomato. Maybe it's a fruit. I don't know. But we're the fruit <laughs> coming in. He's working it out no matter what you're going through. How do I know that? Because I know where I am now, and I know where I was in 1982. I was driving out at a nightclub in a car by myself. I was one of the biggest scofflaws around in New York. So every time I got pulled over, I went to jail. Some of you have heard this. This is for the new people. I had multiple grams of cocaine on my possession. I got pulled over. I didn't know what to do. I took it. I put it under the mat on my front seat. Genius, huh? You know what my, one of my friends told me? In his car, they had a hole in the middle. Robert Grandy. Remember him? Bank robber. Anyway. Yeah, a friend of ours was a bank robber. No, he really was a bank robber. But he had a hole in his truck. So when the cops came, they dropped it through the hole, kept driving, Cops searched the car, nothing. They drove back and got it. Why didn't I think of that? That's why I'm mad. <laughs> anyway, I put it under the mat. 
many of you know, I got locked up. They took my car, put it in the precinct parking lot. I was in the cell. All I could do was listen. I, never, I couldn't sleep because the law then by Ronald Reagan was the war on drugs, the first one, just say no. If you were distributing, you got 20 years. No trial, no lawyers, no public defender. You get 20 years, period. I'm down there sweating. I'm scared. I'm praying to a God that I don't know. I'm trying to escape, which is actually impossible. I tried. <laughs> Not really, but I was looking for a way out. And every sound I heard, every clink I heard, I thought they were coming to tell me. Found it. You're done. That guy, the jailer, just walked by my cell. I'm like, oh my God. I think I made more deals with God that night. A guy I didn't know. Guess what? He didn't take any of them. But I got bailed out the next day. And I can't wait to see Keith tomorrow night at the wake. Because I'm going to say, thanks for bailing me out. Nobody would bail me out. Nobody came, but he came. Bailed me out, and then I had him drop me off right in front of the precinct. I went in and I stole my car out of there because that's all I could do to survive. And I got my car out of there, and, and the drugs were still there. And I was like, I was happy, but on the other hand, I was like, why did this happen? How could this be? And I know now how it could be. Because he had a purpose for me. He had a destination for me. And even I couldn't ruin it. Even you can't ruin it. He's got a plan for you. Take hold of it. And this is when he came back, after he put the blood in the mercy seat, he came back in, Matthew, in Mark 16, he told them what the plan is. It's a simple plan. First, he rebuked them because they didn't believe he rose from the dead. And then he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Caitlin's going to Turkey to preach the gospel. Somebody here is going to East Brunswick to preach the gospel. Somebody's going to Spotswood. Somebody's going to Edison, God forbid. <laughs> Somebody's going to Woodbridge. Just, just messing around. I lived in Edison. It's okay. I moved. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing around. Holland Park, New Brunswick, East Brunswick, South Brunswick. Well, South Brunswick. Point being, we're all called to preach the gospel, the good news. The good news that Jesus poured out the blood in the mercy seat. The good news that you're forgiven of all your sins. The good news that you can walk in newness of life whenever you decide to take hold of it. The good news that there's a purpose and a plan for you that if you don't get in the way of it, it will be your best. Listen to me as I close this message. First fruits, right? This is saying my best is yet to come. You know, we have a, a website where all the messages are put on, whether I preach or anybody else. And it's funny, years ago, and we can find out through analytics what messages listen to the most. And you know what it is? Your best is yet to come. It's because of the title. Because people will go to Google, and they'll look for that. It's not because everybody here has listened to it, and why the heck haven't you? Anyway. Um, no, it's because people are looking for that. Your best is yet to come. How many of you believe that today? I'm 
I'm not going to get into the rest of the scripture. It talks about laying hands on the sick. It talks about eating, uh, drinking deadly poison. Don't do it. It talks about laying hands on the sick and bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. That is our purpose, everyone here. That's why you're saved. That's why he did all that. So he could be the first fruits. Could You could do what he did. The power that was in him is in us. The life and the blood is in us. We're never going to die, so we can't be stopped. We are like little superheroes. Don't be a zombie, because zombies seem like they never die either. You know, they shoot them, and then they have no head, and then they're like this. No, that's not what we are. We're those that reign in this life, because we will rule and reign forever. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, let's bow our heads. Listen. Listen to me. Remember, you have to take hold of it. You're not saved by anything you can do except believe it and take hold of it and receive the gift. A gift is not a gift until you receive it. Have you received the gift? Have, have you received the favor? It, do you have God's favor in your life? Listen, let me tell you, you can go really far with God's favor. Just look at who's preaching to you. You can go really far with God's favor. You can do your purpose. But there has to be a point. And it happens through prayer. Jesus said when you pray, believe that you've taken hold of it and you will have it. So we're going to say the prayer today. To believe and take hold of salvation. So if you would say this prayer with me, say, Father, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. You raised him from the dead of first fruits. His blood was poured out for my sin. It makes me clean when I put my faith in him. I do it right now. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me alive again. Everybody's eyes are closed, head bowed, just for a second. You said that prayer today on Easter Sunday. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to be 100% sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Amen. Okay. Okay, all of you that raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Stand up. Go ahead. Stand up. You can do it. Come on. Come on.